Rubber I think ducky. I I think I am Eric's rubber duck. One. Rubber ducky, so fun. Rubber ducky. Yes, John is my rubber ducky. I like to pet him. <laughs> he squeezes me a lot. <laughs> it's awkward when we're in the bathtub together. And I get squeezed. You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode fifty-nine, recorded April twenty-ninth. 2017. Today we talk about bad tutorials, Amazon's new Echo Look, illegal engineering, SIM cards and chips, and rubber ducks. Here we go. I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you know what the 17th smallest 17th smallest prime number is? 59. 59, episode 59, PHP Ugly. Hi, Eric. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we're starting the show. I can't, I can't tell if he froze or if he thinks I'm dumb. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. See, now I had my whole oldest baseball player satchel page was 59. It was the oldest uh, he ever played in uh, Major League Baseball. I think, ah. see, but you are right, Thomas. We were in episode fifty-nine. Get wow, we're really going with this opening, huh? That was <laughs> rough. <laughs> so, so next week, John's doing the opening. Clearly, uh, am I going to be here next week? You guys keep <laughs> you guys talking about talk kicking about me to the curb, curb. which eh, probably be a better show. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to edit. But I wouldn't say it's better necessarily, though. <laughs> So what's been going on, guys? So, what's it? Eric? Ah, it's been going. I'm He's, still out here in beautiful Arizona, probably for at least another week. I miss my family a little bit. <laughs> but it's uh, it's going, going. Um, had an interesting uh, Lair Chat Live this past week. Uh, we talked to uh, Peter Meth and uh, what's Mike Classic, uh, Big Mike on, on Twitter. They're the guys doing the PHP Unicorn Conference, so that that was a fun. I I, I got to vet out my mm-hmm. yeah my horrors on their on their logo. So <laughs> they didn't seem to mind it too much. Nah, nah, they they're cool. They're pretty cool guys. So yeah, it went well. Did you catch any of uh, any of Peter's uh, YouTube or Hangout the other night? No diversity in conferences, and and we've been having a lot of conversation about it uh, on the Layer Chat channel as well. Um, I didn't, Maybe. I missed it. Uh, did you? I just watched the first, the beginning of it, and a couple people that I like and follow on Twitter were on there: uh, Samantha Quinones and Greg Daniels. Yeah, I I really wanted to watch it, but I I watched like I said the first just few minutes of it, um, and I was with my kids, so I had to bail. So I'll probably go back to it. Yeah, I need I need to circle back around and and watch it. I'm I, honestly getting a little a little feel like I'm getting a little beaten up over it, um, over the topic. And I know that's like the wrong thing to say. Um, but as somebody, what do you mean you're getting beaten up. Well, just just it's 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 such a prolific topic now. It's like it seems like every every conference that comes out, every it it comes up a lot. And it's something that needs to be addressed. And you guys realize we're talking and we're not broadcasting? Yeah. 
par for the course. It hadn't, hadn't occurred to me. Uh, well, it's because Thomas jumped into it and didn't didn't tell me that we were actually going. I said, are we ready to go or are we going to talk about things? And he starts down his little path. <laughs> I had to do it quick before you did it. Anyway, so anyways, you feel beaten anyways, up over it. over it. Yeah, just the topic itself. I, I, I realize it's a topic that needs to be addressed. My big concern is I'm worried that it's not being addressed correctly because it doesn't seem to be getting a resolution to it. And as somebody who I honestly feel like I actively go out there and try to find diversity when it comes to doing presentations, but not to the extreme where that's what you need to be to do a presentation for a user group. I don't know. I just, I know how tough it is. And, you know, I think, I think, I think Peter and and Mike um, were doing a lot to put the conference on and kind of got a little blindsided by uh, some of this um, concerns about the diversity of their speaker lineup. And it's like, man, you know, I don't think these guys actively went out and tried to exclude diversity from their lineup. I think these guys were working hard to put together a conference, and those those are the people that stepped up with presentations. Those are the ones that had the talks that seemed interesting. And I don't know. I mean, I, I really I don't mean to, to sound. I, I don't want to take the spotlight off of it or or anything. I just I, I'm concerned that we're approaching the problem wrong. That we're not we're not addressing it correctly. And you know. Today it's it's diversity around you know the 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 sex of you know uh, of males to female and then you know in a, in a couple months it'll be diversity around the race and, and a couple months later it's diver- it's just like we're 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 addressing the the problem on a fragmented approach and and I still don't even think we're doing that correctly. I don't necessarily think it's a fragmented approach. It's it's a difficult topic and. It- I can see from his point of view, he had 10 slots to fill. But when you get to a bigger conference where there's a lot more slots, there needs to be a more diverse set of speakers. I agree in running the user group, it's hard. We constantly are trying to find other people to give talks. The the fact is in, in tech, at least that people that come to our user group, it's prominently white male. And... Every time we have any other races or women come there, constantly trying to get them to stay with us. And it's probably hard, you know, from their point of view coming in and almost feeling singled out. But we we need to do a better job. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, my from my perspective, and I'm not trying to say that maybe we shouldn't take more of a conscious effort at it. I feel like we do. And I know we do for Lair Chat Live. Uh, it, it, is, it is very much a conscious effort that we make to try to bring diversity to the panel, and we fail every week at doing it. It, it, it's, it is, You've got Canadians on there. <laughs> and it's honestly not from a lack of trying from all the guys uh, within the group. You know, we reach out, we, we beg, we plead, and, you know, really get almost no feedback. Uh, we, we've we've had a couple that we feel like we've been successful on, but in general, it's it's been tough. And again, John, I mean, you know, just as well as I do, for our user group, 
I think there's a problem with diversity when you work to exclude a crowd. And I don't think we do that. We, we never try to exclude anybody. And we still have mm-hmm. the issue of not being diverse. So mm-hmm. you, you, I, 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 I kind of, I sort of agree with what you're saying. We need to do a better job, but it's like, uh, you know, we, we, go so to, so <laughs> we go to geek girls, we go to, you know, we, we go to the events, we, we try to get involved, but there's only so much we can do. You know, it's at some point there has to be that diverse crowd willing to participate. There has to, they have to be there. There's, there's all this complaining that there's not diversity, but there's not a diverse crowd that wants to participate. Or they're hard to find if they're there. I don't know what sparked the conversation with Peter on Twitter. I don't know if, if there was, you know, a, a more diverse crowd of people that submitted calls for, submitted to the calls for paper and were rejected. And that's what sparked it. So I don't know if it was just, people seeing the lineup and complaining that there wasn't more diversity or people that submitted saying, Hey, why aren't you accepting other talks? Why, why is it all white male talks that you accepted? So, I, there's a lot of vocal people who've never had to do the work involved with getting something like this together. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's an issue in our community, but it's an issue with things like Uber having institutionalized sexism when it's when it's three white guys who share an interest and they're trying as hard as they can to be as diverse as possible it's stupid to yell at them for not being diverse enough you know you're not mm-hmm. you're you're fighting the wrong crowd I see what you're saying <clears throat> yeah but people like you know Yeah, and like I said, I'm not saying there isn't an issue that needs to be addressed. I just, I'm concerned about the way we're addressing it and whether or not, what results are we really looking to get out of this? I mean, are we, are we talking about, I mean, you know, are we talking about quotas, right? I mean, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear you're accepted to a talk because you're trying to meet a quota. That's not, that's not what we're looking to do. We're looking for everybody to be on the even playing ground. And I agree with that. Uh, we just, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I, I, I've, I've heard the complaints and, and I think Thomas is right. I think there, there might be people out there complaining who are, who you, you get a lot of, lot of situations where people are, are more than willing to point out the problem, but nobody wants to work towards the problem. And I, I think we have some of that, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm getting a little, dis, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a little just unhappy with the results i mean it's the results that that are bothering me it's the fact that as a white male i'm constantly feeling like you know i'm part of the problem like you know i'm always being pointed at as part of the problem when i feel like a you know i i don't actually think much about it and and when i in retrospect when i look back that's part of the problem (laughs) okay but in retrospect when i go back and look back at things that i do people i interact with people we have in our company, I sit there and say, well, you know, fortunately, I don't, I don't think we're, we're suffering too much from that issue. Um, but again, that's not a conscious effort. That's not something I'm trying to do. It's just, I, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of fortunate. Because I surround myself with like-minded people who think the same way and, and, you know, we don't worry about that stuff. And I, I get that not everybody's like that, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I want to help fix the problem. I just 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do at this point. It's a, it's it's tough. It's as somebody again, as somebody who constantly feels like I agree. they're being blamed for the problem, and at the same time, we need to really be one of the people who tries to fix the problem. You kind of get worn out. You know, you beat yourself up a lot, and I don't know. Yeah, we're not going to solve it here. It's just it, it was an interesting topic that was brought up, and uh, didn't really mean to. Spend that much time on it. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's... I didn't mean to make it so serious. serious. A lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of people are talking about it. It's important. And, and I, I know, I definitely... I keep hitting my mic, Thomas. I apologize. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I know, I, you know, I could definitely... What, what I just said can be construed as negative. And people could easily think bad of me for it. Yeah, you know... And I get that. And that's that's really a lot, you know, part of the problem is we have this very black and white world. You know, you can't you can't disagree with a movement. You you can't not a hundred percent agree with you can't not a hundred percent agree with like if you don't a hundred percent agree with what somebody's doing, then you then you're completely against them. And that's not the case here. Um yeah. Yeah, I should probably stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to write this shit. I've had a long couple weeks, man. I mean, I, I'm just like emotionally spent, so I don't. <laughs> What's your topic, Thomas? Uh, you know what the uh, number 31 most popular website in the United States is? phpugly.com. No. The number 31? What? What are you talking about? Chase.com. Okay. Chase.com. Point B. So if you listen to last week's podcast, you've heard that there was a bit of a kerfuffle over Chase insisting that uh, security chips in cards cannot be compromised or circumvented in any way. Uh, Gave him a follow-up call, see how things were going. Their response was, uh, what what things? We finished, we closed it. You don't get the money, and there's no investigation. I said, well, that's strange, because last time I called, you guys said you were opening a new investigation because I provided evidence that it wasn't me. Said, nope, nothing. There's no case. I said, well, that's, that's interesting. Can I, can I speak with uh, your manager? Uh, no, sir. I can explain anything you need explained. So shot down on trying to escalate my issue. Took me four times asking him to get it escalated before I finally said, uh, you told me earlier this call is being recorded. Is that correct? And he says, yes. I said, may I speak with your supervisor? He says, sure, here you go. <laughs> so supervisor comes on, tells me, yeah, it's a chip and pin transaction. Cannot possibly be circumvented in any way whatsoever. I said, that's funny. I have a photograph of a stranger walking out of Target with my money in his hands. How do you explain that one? said, well, you must have given him the card and given him the PIN number because our system is infallible. I said, that's funny because the testimony of the Target employee who runs security told me how he did it. Well, we don't, we don't know about that, sir. So I'm not the only person this is happening to. Uh, Chase isn't the only bank doing it, but boy, they are, they are running the game hard. They are denying anything that uses chip and pin if you still have possession of the card and they are unrelenting in their refusal to, to uh, make any charges reversed. 
it's it's nightmarish right now. Wow. So if anyone out there listens and knows anything about class action lawsuits, uh, you might be able to make yourself a good chunk of change. I'm sorry, dude. But but <laughs> it, yeah it, yeah it's rough, man. What's the what was the uh, what was the amount? I forget. It was like four hundred or something. Uh, this is four hundred and fifty something bucks. Okay. So it's it's not even like worth going to get a lawyer to help with it. Hmm. No, but I do have a uh, police report now. I did force them to open the investigation back up again and escalate it up to the next person. And then I'm actually going to be going into a local branch of the bank to speak with the manager and explain the situation to him. So <laughs> I, I'll get, get the money. That'll back. get you nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but are your plans to get the money back from that local branch, uh, Thomas? Do we need to <laughs> alert any authorities or anything? No, no, no. Handwritten note: Give, give me four hundred fifty dollars, or else. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. So, so Chase uh, managing to screw its customers as hard as possible on the policy that SIM cards are infallible. That is terrifying. Do you still use your chase card, or have you cut that thing up? Uh, I, I do have a new chase card that a new chase I, card. I have to use. Yeah, I have to use it. I don't have any other any other option except cash. Sounds like that's the way we're then, going. Still, still have to go to the ATM for that one. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, man. Is that? Are you? Is that? Was it a debit card that was compromised yeah. or a credit card? It's debit. Which is your, the real problem. Do you use your is debit it, card on a normal basis? Yeah, I do. Because so, not to be getting, personal, is it you don't have a, a credit card to use? No. no. It, I was I worked as a 1099 when I was 20 years old. Yeah. And so now no one will no one will let me have a credit card. <laughs> that's that's bad. Yeah, yeah. I I get so annoyed when I I mean obviously in a situation like that when you have no choice you have to but. People that have credit cards and still use their debit card, I just can't for the life of me understand why you would do that. It it is asking for pain. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple questions for you guys. I I, I tell you, I, like I said, it's been a rough couple weeks for me. So mentally, I'm like not in the the greatest of, of frames of mind. So bear with me. But I know you guys don't listen to a lot of other podcasts, but something funny has happened in the Laravel community, or yeah, community. Uh, I don't really consider us a Laravel podcast. We talk a lot about Laravel. We use Laravel a lot. We're big. We're all pretty big fans of Laravel, mm-hmm. but I don't really categorize us as a Laravel uh, podcast. Um, I, obviously, Lara Chat is a Laravel podcast, uh, but it's funny. Laravel News was the podcast I'd go to and listen to, and I like those guys that that are on Laravel News. I, Laravel News is a podcast I'll go to and listen to for. Like, all the detailed information on Laravel. And then, of course, there's the Laravel podcast, which is put on by Taylor, Jeffrey Way, and um, Matt Stauffer, uh, that goes, kind of talks about what's coming up in Laravel and what's kind of higher-level higher level Laravel stuff. And it's funny, it's like the last couple of podcasts from, from those two, well, Laravel, the Laravel podcast hasn't, been, hasn't come out in a while. They just came out with another release, <clears throat> which I want to touch on as well. But uh, they started doing like this grab bag question thing because 
They felt that Laravel News was is doing a good enough job covering the news in Laravel <clears throat> that they didn't really have anything to talk about. So they were kind of like doing this question-answer thing. And then over in Laravel News, they're not talking about Laravel News anymore either. They're doing interviews with presenters coming, uh, getting ready for Laracon US. So like none of the Laravel News podcasts are talking about Laravel News anymore. So that, I thought that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> It has slowed down a little in the Laravel community, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I really like the Laravel news because uh, since Jacob and um, Jacob and Mike had taken it over, they really had gone. They've done really deep dives into uh, Laravel, and like you know, as new features came out, they they really broke down the feature, talked about how you know how it's how it's done and what you know how they how they implement it and. I mean, it's been really a fantastic uh, uh, podcast, but but yeah, they're they're gearing away from that a little bit. So, and I, I get it. They're, they're trying they're trying to do some, I guess, PR for for Laracon US. But but over over on the Laravel podcast, you know, there, there's definitely becoming that elite mentality of of certain people within the Laravel community. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to name out any names, but it's getting harder and harder to, to listen. To conversations between them, and one of the one of the uh, topics that came up in the Laravel podcast is about you know enterprise ready, uh, about about software being enterprise. And you know, the the reason that it was brought up is because it, you know Laravel is always under scrutiny whether or not it's it's good for the enterprise if it's enterprise ready. And as somebody who's worked in the enterprise, this seems like a very valid question, but. I, I'm always kind of thrown back, and I see it in open source occasionally, but I see a lot with Laravel about like you know they're insulted by that question. It's like, what do you mean? Is it ready? Can you can you not do web pages with it? Yes, it's ready. It's like that's not what is it ready for the enterprise means. <laughs> and I, I'm just kind of curious. Do you guys have a perspective of this? Like, what does enterprise ready mean to you guys? And or, or do you think that word is overused? It's definitely overused. I, yeah, it's massively overused um, and and underused. See, when, see when, I don't think it is. I think it's used incorrectly probably by some people. And I think there's a misunderstanding about what it means. But go ahead. I'll let you guys continue. Thomas, you were you were going a little bit more. Go ahead. Yeah, my my issue with enterprise is is people talking about the, the Laravel software being enterprise ready uh, it is undoubtedly enterprise ready because it works and doesn't have any fundamental core flaws and it renders what you ask it to render. Um, you know, in the same way that Windows is enterprise ready, but that's not what enterprise means to Microsoft. Enterprise means support, patch levels, communication. Uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the software. It has to do with the service being provided. I, I think you just nailed it right there. That's exactly what I was going to say. Everybody assumes enterprise ready means the software, and it does to a degree. It does mean that it, you know the software is capable of meeting a certain performance expectation, and I do believe Laravel does have that. Um, but that's not all enterprise ready means. Enterprise ready, you know, goes way beyond that. And, and Thomas, you just nailed it, nailed it. It's a matter of support levels, SLAs, um, you know, the 
long-term support was a good step from Laravel uh, as far as becoming enterprise-ready because that's what enterprise looks for, are these these uh, solutions that they implement that they know the people behind that solution are going to be there, are going to continue to patch it and, and continue to move that software forward. So that long long-term support was another piece of that puzzle of the enterprise. But Laravel as a whole, enterprise-ready, as somebody who's worked in the enterprise, it's not. I, I could tell you right now, if I tried to implement Laravel in the enterprise that I came from, it would be a battle. And a lot of the battle with Laravel comes from SLAs, support, all, you know, all that stuff. All that stuff you just touched on, uh, Thomas. That's what enterprise-ready means. It's not necessarily, hey, can I do a million page hits on a on a website built with Laravel? That's that's only one yeah, aspect. Yeah, sure you can. Right. That's only one aspect of it. When somebody says it's something ready for the enterprise or if it's enterprise ready, there's so many more aspects of it. And I always categorized it as that the company implementing it wants a throat to choke. They want to be able to go to a company when their software breaks and says, this has to be fixed. I need a way to get this fixed now. And that solution can't be, well, go find yourself a developer who can fix it. They want to have a company to go to. That's why Zen is an enterprise-ready implementation of PHP because it's an established company with SLAs, with roadmaps, with all sorts of you know bells and whistles on it that enterprises look for. Um, so I don't understand why there's all this, like, people are so insulted, like, oh, how dare you say Laravel isn't enterprise-ready? I'm like, it's not. It's not. I mean, yeah, it, it, it isn't even remotely. So you, you just contradicted it's yourself. Not, it's not Sember. <laughs> you make it very difficult when you contradict yourself and then you agree with me, Thomas. I really <laughs> No, I'm I'm not contradicting. I, I don't believe Laravel is enterprise ready. I believe the software is enterprise ready, but I don't believe Laravel the project is enterprise ready. Mm-hmm. Because if Taylor gets hit by a car, everyone's pretty screwed. Right, and that's the thing. It's like you know, the the, the project can always there, there's no control over the direction of the project. It's whatever Taylor wants to do, as long as Taylor decides. To, if Taylor gets bored with it and decides, oh, you know what, I'm giving the project to Jeffrey Way or Muhammad to take over because I don't feel like doing it anymore. Do, do you think you know a Fortune 500 company wants to hear that? You know, they're like, no, we don't know who this person. Is. We don't know what they're yeah. going to do with the platform. Yeah, so I, I wish I wish people would understand that. That it's not it's not an insult. It's just there's certain pieces of the puzzle on a whole that are missing, and it doesn't mean that enterprises won't implement it. It means that people like me who enjoy using Laravel to implement it on an enterprise platform, it, you know, we have to battle for that. It's not they always say that that saying nobody ever got fired for using for buying IBM. Well, people have gotten fired for implementing poor open source solutions that don't have companies backing it. So it's it's a struggle. Yeah, it's a battle. Yeah. If you if you go if you go to Zen's homepage, they have services and support, drop downs, resources, enterprise, you know, packages. There if you if you do a search for enterprise on Laravel's they probably have website. There's nothing right. and they probably have things like professional services. That's another thing. 
They want to be able to go to Zen. They want to be able to go to Laravel and say, Laravel, send me your developers. Not Laravel, send me developers you would recommend out in the community who you don't actually pay, who you don't actually work for, who aren't actually accountable to you. No, they want professional <laughs> services from that company. No, when when you call Microsoft for support, you expect a, a Microsoft support person to show up and do the work or Sun or, I mean, those companies that invented enterprise scaling define it very clearly as a support level, not a not a software level. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure Taylor wants to get there. It's just going to take time. I don't think I don't think they understand it. I mean, I mean, listening to them talk on their last podcast, they they don't understand it. They 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 they're thinking very much of the software. I think that's the majority of their concern, and I think that's addressed. I don't think it's a software issue necessarily. Um, I could be wrong. I, I, I don't know what feedback they're getting. Maybe that's the feedback they're getting. Maybe they are, have people coming to them and saying, we don't think your software is strong enough. But again, as somebody who's worked in the enterprise, that wouldn't be my concern at this point with Laravel. All right, I, I'm done ranting. I, I Like I said, I, I mentally spent anyway, so I'm probably not the best person to be talking to. I know we're about 30 <laughs> minutes into this. So I, I think I've ranted, and I, I'm probably going to get a bunch of angry tweets uh, over the next week. Probably not. Nobody listens to this shit. So <laughs> <laughs> hundreds, I tell you, hundreds. All right, all right. I'll let you. Somebody else take it over. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about this last week. I I came across this PHP tutorial um, website called the New Boston, and I heard somebody else talking about it, and they've got all sorts of tutorials on topics from PHP to, uh, I guess it used to be strong in just programming in general. And then they moved into just lots of other tutorials, uh, looking at their main menu, beauty, business, cooking. But I'm looking at the PHP list and they have a video called the final vid, the final PHP video. And I think they have some 200, uh, tutorials on there. And my biggest complaint is the code is horrible. They're teaching they're teaching bad practices. At what point do do you get these people to take not necessarily the new Boston, but in general, people that put up bad tutorials, how do we get them to take them down and stop teaching things the old school way? Well, shame. It's, it's just frustrating. That's that's funny. I didn't even look I you, you put this on the Trello board, and you said you had so much to say about it. And I, I looked at the last video thinking that what you were going to talk about was in the last video. I didn't even bother to go back and look at everything and, and to actually look at the videos. I looked at the list, and I'm like, huh, that looks like a pretty complete list. It looks like they touch on, on a lot of the top topics that you'd want to touch on to teach somebody PHP. But I didn't actually watch the video. I didn't. I, I just looked at a couple of the code snippets, and... Anybody that, that uses the at symbol to suppress information drives me nuts. <laughs> it's it's, it's over, over <laughs> the, in, in the, the very last video. video. Oh, I did. The, I the final see that. <laughs> That's one of those things. I I see that all the time with with newer developers. They they'll make a, a database connection call and they immediately put an at symbol in front of it. Oh I'm my like, god. What? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, I'm looking at episode 13 on here about comments. And I I realized, hey, he's not showing. It's it's four minutes long. 
and he's not showing how you can use comments to uh, type in an IDE. Right, and he's uh, using cl- closing the closing PHP bracket, which drives me nuts. <laughs> I don't know why. Right. That's, that's a pet peeve. But then I realized, oh, he's probably not using comments for IDE helpers because he's not in an IDE. Yeah. <laughs> he's in a text editor. Yeah. It's just... Anyway, wow. it, it, it was just an annoyance. I'm assuming these are older videos. I, I really don't know. Uh, where I heard about it, and I can't remember where it was now. It's been a couple weeks. But the person who referenced it said in his day-to-day job as a developer, he uses this site all the time. I'm like, but, but why? <laughs> there's so many... Uh, there's There are better resources out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, this these videos were uploaded April 21st, 2011. So, oh, okay. Where are you even seeing, seeing that? that at? On the YouTube page. So these are old so, videos. So not, not, only are, not only are the practices bad, but it's not even the currently supported version of PHP. Yeah. All right. That, that's all I want to do is rant about bad code out there. And that, I mean, that there's sure. still tutorials sure. like this out there that people find sure. and, and think this is how you code. Yeah, I'm sure I still got plenty of it out there, but just something to think about when you're putting tutorials up. No one to take them down. Don't just leave them up for posterity. Uh, give me, give me one second, guys. Uh, hey Alexa, do I look fat today? Yes, Thomas, you look a little overweight. <laughs> <laughs> you look I, like you had I, a big dinner. Oh, I did. It was wonderful. <laughs> but I can't believe I can't believe this. I can't believe what Amazon is doing now. <laughs> you know, I, so, I can't believe that there's going to be enough of a market for that. But go ahead. Let, let's talk about uh, the uh, article. It's, it's called the Echo Look. It's Amazon's new uh, sort of home appliance style device. It's a camera that's connected to the, the web, and it's always watching. And listening. It's not, and it's and it judges yeah. your outfits. It's not always watching. You ask it to watch, but yes, it's it's weird. It's a, it's super weird. I mean, the only benefit I saw is the ability to see what your back looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing, like, I don't know, a $10 mirror couldn't do, but, uh, oh, man. That's, that's strange. strange. Then no mirror could do that. All you need is two mirrors. We we saw <laughs> we saw a relationship in season two of uh, Mr. Robot that a woman had with her Amazon Echo device. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm sort of wondering where this is going to take us now. That that it's judging our clothing. That it, it's not just providing information; it's casting judgment. Like, if if Adidas sponsored something through Amazon, could they, I mean, would, would Amazon be open to that kind of branded marketing where they say, hey, you look good, but you could really use an Adidas J14 jacket? <laughs> Is, I totally wouldn't put it past them. I totally wouldn't put it past them. See, but then that opens up avenues for the incredibly rich to intentionally make people dress like clowns for their own amusement. Which <laughs> <laughs> is exactly what I would do. I would launch a line of, of neon Afro wigs and I would sell them 
through the Amazon look recommendation system. Well, when I, when I saw this, when I saw this, I was like, okay, that can't be all it's, it's going to do. What it's going to do is she's going to stand there, and then it's going to start putting outfits on her that she can buy on Amazon, like not outfits that she has. It, it'll superimpose outfits on her to see what she looks best in and allow her to order it. That's that's where I thought this was going to go. When I realized, no, it's just a it's just a mirror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I was I was amazed. I couldn't believe that's that's all it was. But but yes, I I totally think that's what it's going to do, Thomas. Why else would they Why else would they put it there? They they want to make money off of it, right? I mean, it's going to do. It's going to go that route. I can't imagine this is going to be successful in any way. No, because it, first thing you know. This is not something your average tech geek is going to want, right? Which is which is something that they <laughs> th- that the first couple waves of Echo was, right? It was tech geeks, right, early right. adopters, going out there and buying it, and then realizing it, realizing to the general public, hey, this is useful. They're not going to get that sort of adoption with this. With this, I, I I think it's a very niche market that they're going for, and that niche market is not the sort of progressive market where they're going to go out and buy this i, I think well, this is a well weird. unless unless you find out you, you start walking around and there's all these really good looking people and you start thinking what is it that they have that i don't and it turns out that they're all being dressed by their computer <laughs> i got like six and, i got like know, six t-shirts man i don't tell you <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and you say that the camera's not always watching but that camera's always going to be watching. Well, it's oh, funny yeah. if you no, if you no, watch it, it the video. Always. If you, where you change. If you watch the video, the camera's always in a closet, and they open up a door to the camera. I thought that was weird. Yeah, but that, <laughs> they're like, you might want to do this. <laughs> you might want to put a door in front of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> that are like, one of these days when you open your closet, we're going to be in there. <laughs> it's, you don't know when it'll happen. Just, oh, oh, that's interesting. I didn't invite this spy device in my house, <laughs> uh, unlike all the other ones that I've invited in on purpose. Say, I, I'm just, I'm just looking around between my iPad, and my computer. I've got about three or four cameras in this office, and this isn't even my office. So yeah, another another camera on your Echo. I, I don't. That's no. That doesn't concern me any more than the multiple cameras i already have laying around my phone my computer my ipad my yeah it's cameras everywhere i always said that i always felt that if the u.s government really wanted to spy on us with video technology that they would just make it free for or or very cheap for consumers to purchase and we'd spy on our, our on ourselves and we're doing that yeah, they call it Facebook. Yeah, we're we're doing well. We're doing that now with the cameras. We just they didn't make it cheap. We're still we're suckers. We're still paying full price for it. We're spending a thousand dollars on phones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, so you saw that. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I had to buy a new phone this week. I, I had. I, I honestly that I, that comment had nothing to do with buying a phone. I had a, a phone. series of unfortunate <laughs> events this week and. One of the weirdest things that happened is I reached for my cell phone when it was ringing. And it's, I, again, I'm out here in the desert. It's dry. There's a lot of static electricity. I shocked the hell out of my phone. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't get it to turn off. And I couldn't get to turn on. I couldn't get the screen to come on. Like the, the little buttons were lit up, but the screen was dead. 
And I, no matter what I did, I could, and it was driving me nuts because all I wanted to do was take the battery out. And it's an S6. You can't take the battery out. So I decided to go to the uh, AT&T store here because it was the closest thing. Like Best Buy was a, the closest Best Buy to where I'm at is a mile away in either direction. I mean, uh, an, hour an hour away, away in either direction. <laughs> so I go to the AT&T store. And I'm like, hey, can you run diagnostics on this? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Don't, we'll see what's wrong with it. And, you know, they come back out like 15 minutes later. Like, uh, your phone is dead, like dead. Like, we can't get it to charge. <laughs> we can't get any readings on it. I'm like, I find that hard to believe because you would think as a, as a cell phone, it should be able to withstand a certain amount of shock from a person, right? I mean, I'm not like a, some mutant power shock, anything like that. It didn't, it didn't blow me back. So I would think my cell phone would be fine, but they were, they were like, there's nothing we can do. It's, it's, you know, there's dead. We can't run any diagnostics on it. I'm like, all right, well, I, I can't be out here without a cell phone. Uh, you know, I'm going to get another cell phone. I replaced my cell phone, but I did. I did let the battery drain for a couple of days, and then I I, char- I did charge it back up today, and it my old phone did come back. It's oh, really? it's still alive. Well, yeah. To to be fair, you went to a phone store to ask them if you need a new phone, and they said yes. No, I did. I didn't ask them if I need a new phone. I asked them to see what's wrong with my old phone, but they couldn't. So. So yeah, it, it did come back, John. I I, uh, I, uh, I thought I would share that with you. Uh, it it did come back to, to life, but all right. I went off topic again. I apologize. We're we're running we're running out of time here, so we need to start rolling through some things. All right. I'll, you know what? We'll we'll just jump right into the doom and gloom segment because boy, it's chalk loaded today. Okay. I, I feel like we've been there all day. Anyways, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets so much better and so much worse. I, I like the Doom and Gloom segment. I think it's I think it's funny how god awful things have gotten. <laughs> uh so you have you guys heard that uh that there's a problem with red light cameras that that the people who are installing them are shorting the yellow lights to get more tickets? So where yeah. we lived in Mira Mesa here in outside of San Diego when they installed the red light and that was immediately obvious that they had shortened the yellow light uh, time. Not only that, but the only time I had ever gotten into an accident on my motorcycle was somebody slamming on their brakes because the light had changed from green to yellow, and that person had already gotten snagged by the cameras for running a red light on a short yellow in downtown San Diego. So he slams on his brakes in front of me. I end up dropping my bike and, and running into the uh, back of him. I Fucking hate those goddamn cameras. I think they're uh, that. I think they should be illegal, and it they piss me off to no end because it's commercializing crime. It's paying private companies. It's incentivizing them to ticket people, and it's not prevent. It's not preventing. It's not helping pre- encourage public safety. It's not. It they it makes me so mad. It's a money making machine. It makes me so mad on so many levels. I rage out against it. I'm sorry, Thomas. Talk about your story. <laughs> well, well, you're not the only upset person. Uh, it, a man named Matt Jarlstrom, uh, his wife got a ticket for a red light camera, and he had that same conclusion that that the yellow was much shorter than it used to be. So he started investigating this. And found out that it was clearly true on all of the cameras he could find in his home of Oregon, and started 
presenting his information to anyone who would listen to try and get the cameras either outlawed or to get the yellows, you know, put back at their previous state. But the people who are involved with the cameras, the government, the guys who make the money off of it, decided that what he was doing was practicing engineering without a license. <laughs> How is that a thing? I mean, so they find him. Get fined for it. They find him five hundred dollars. I mean, it was no small bill. But how- yeah, they find him. They find him five hundred dollars for practicing engineering without a license, and told him that he could no longer speak to people about the information that he had gathered until he acquired a state engineering license. <laughs> and the information he acquired awesome. was was using a stopwatch. Right. <laughs> you, and, and this you have to be is, licensed for that. This is bureaucratic bureaucratic mastery because because when it comes to stuff like infrastructure, Department of Transportation, those things, they take engineering very very seriously, of course. Because if a bridge falls and kills a thousand people, you're in big trouble. That's a little but different. <laughs> they're getting yeah, they're getting bridge construction confused with Personal investigation. Observation. I mean, it's observation, right? Nobody implemented anything based on his findings. He's just nobody built a bridge based on what he he told him. He was just giving observations. Yeah, Uh, this is ridiculous. Somebody Uh, needs somebody uh, needs to start start finding people for practicing web development without a license because this is insane. I think people should be fined for practicing politics without a license. I think people should be fined for having babies without a license. How's that? <laughs> I'm on board with All that right. one. So, yeah, I thought I thought that would that would be an excellent opener for our doom and gloom because that was one of the funnier ones that I could find this week, except for the other funny one, which is you know those chip cards that i'm so interested in right now i do i've heard i've heard you had an issue with one yeah you know what they look like right i do the the little gold if you ever yeah yeah if you ever need a picture of one uh Mm -hmm. just look at the senate employee id cards because instead of having security chips on them somebody discovered that the senate id cards had a picture of a security chip on them you know i read this and you don't need no smart chip. The whole time I'm thinking in my head, you know, probably what it would be so funny if what had happened was the designer of the card, like designed the layout, designed the, the image, designed the logo, and then put a picture of where the chip would go. Like, here's here's where the chip would go. And, I'm, and, sure, I'm sure that's what that did happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they gave them like, oh, OK, this is what the card looks like. Slap. And like, just kept the picture of the chip on there. <laughs> See, now, here's the thing, though, is that if the guy who designed these cards came on the podcast and said, yeah, I totally did that, isn't it hilarious? I'd be 100% on his side. (laughs) I'd be like, like, oh, you did that on purpose? He's like, yeah, I thought it would be really funny to have all these people discussing uh, (laughs) net neutrality have pictures of security chips on their IDs. That was was really what was the interesting part of the article is, you know, it, it was a letter and it was talking about the fact that, hey, we're not using any two-factor. The Senate isn't using any two-factor authentication. We need to. We need this solution. And of course, 
the, the thing he pointed out is, hey, we have this picture of a chip on our card. Why don't we put a real chip there and use that? I mean, that, that was kind of funny. <laughs> but but it's more terrifying that, you know, that at the higher levels of government, they're still using base, some of the most basic security implementations out there. Yeah, there, there's plenty of senators and congressmen who still don't know how to use email, which I find mind-blowing. Oh, this next one. Boy. It's from The Guardian, so take it with a, a grain of salt. But have you guys heard about unroll.me? Only through this article. Yeah. They were they were a nice little service that would help unsubscribe you from spammers, basically. Uh, but it turns out that when you unsubscribed from, let's say, Uber, they would take down your email address and then they would sell all of the email addresses for all the Uber unsubscribers to Uber. <laughs> so and they were uh, selling inbox data, huh? Yeah, they were selling inbox data. It, it, you could give this app access to your inbox through Gmail. And it said, you know, we're not doing anything nefarious, we promise. But as it turns out, yeah, they were. It was, it was, well, it was bad. Weren't they also... Weren't they also like uh, indexing your emails as well? It's not clear exactly what they're doing, but I can tell you that the CEO of Unroll.me, uh, Jojo Hedea, was heartbroken that the customers found out about this. Which, <laughs> to be fair, I mean, if he knew he was doing something negative and everyone found out, I'd be kind of... <laughs> Heartbroken too. He, he he said he felt bad to see that some of our users were upset to learn how we monetize our free service. <laughs> that, that's a very, I mean, that's a very important statement. You know, we they we know in the industry if a, if if you're not paying for a service, then you know you're part of that service, and it, it's a known fact. It's like right, you know, right. these companies have to make money somehow. So. If you don't know what the product, if you're not paying for a product, then you are the p- product, and somebody else is paying for your information. So it's it's a profound statement he made, but yeah, it's you know it's still it's like hey. it's not wrong, it's not it's not untrue. I mean, yeah, it, I'm I'm surprised constantly that kids, teenagers are unaware of how free services exist. Uh, you know they. There are kids out there that use Facebook all day, every day, and firmly believe that it's a computer sitting in a rack somewhere, and that there's Mark Zuckerberg runs that computer. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they make people, they make billions think, of dollars off you. Yeah, people think free free is free, and it's just not the case. Yeah, I, I fortunately. This is this made a big enough splash that people are skipping the service altogether now. But uh, the the audacity of some executives does amaze me. Uh, security notice. Do you guys get the hip chat security notice? I saw that and I thought it was hilarious. I, they, I have no idea when, what you're talking about. Hip chat. Hip chat was hit where somebody got in and got all not all but they had access to usernames and hash passwords. And why I thought it was hilarious is I used the service in the past. They took the time to reset passwords and said, you know, please come back and change your password. And I was like, yeah, I don't use your service anymore, so I don't need to. 
but they did make sure to, to clarify it is bcrypt uh, hashed and should be mostly secure, but people still need to change their passwords. But it, it, it was a, an interesting action because it did immediately invalidate the sale of those passwords because every user on the HipChat platform got their password reset. It doesn't necessarily invalidate that, though. Well, it kills it, it kills the value. Well, it it may reduce the value, but you still have people who use the same password, same email, same password across multiple platforms. So, it, true, yeah, true. you know, I I don't think, yeah, it's just it's it's helping complete you know dictionary attacks. I mean, it still has value and it, it can still be used, but yeah, it might have reduced it a little bit. It yeah, it's nice that people can't get access to your HipChat account anymore, but. If you are, I don't want to say stupid because that's strong. If you're an idiot and still use the same password <laughs> that you use on other services. I don't want to say stupid. That's a little strong. Stupid's a little you strong. To- you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems less harsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, if, if they were stealing passwords, username and passwords from HipChat, I mean, really, what's that going to net them? You know, you're gonna you're gonna see some conversation between two people. No, they they want to get into other services, services that have accounts associated. So, well, HipChat is a business platform. You're an so idiot. You, you could get no. I, it's okay. I just called you an idiot, Thomas. I didn't call you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you must you must you must have cut out there. I couldn't didn't catch it. <laughs> For the record, All I did right. that on purpose. You guys want to do one more? Not really. One more. Do you guys have a rubber duck? I, I, I've known about rubber duck debugging for a long time, and it occurred to me after reading an article that I don't actually have a specific rubber duck. I don't have an object that I speak to. I have coworkers who I bug, but that completely misses the point of rubber duck debugging, which is don't bug your coworkers. So... I, I now have I now have myself a nice little fallout rubber duck, and this is the man this is the man that gets all my uh, complaints about CSS. And then your wife is sitting in the room next to you, like, why are you talking to yourself? Do you guys want to do you guys want to explain what rubber ducking is to people who might be listening and don't know? Sure, it's uh, it's when you've got a problem that you're having trouble figuring out. You pick an inanimate object, like a rubber duck, and you explain the problem from step one to the object as if you were trying to get the object's uh, ideas about what's wrong and what to do. And that very often will lead to the insight on what is actually the problem. Right. And it's actually very effective uh, because it... If you do it correctly, and the whole idea is to disassociate yourself from the from the problem because you're, you're too close to it, and approach the problem again like you're you're trying to explain it to somebody. Because when you take that when you take that step back and start working back into the problem, a lot of times the issue becomes obvious and you see it. And I know you know John has many times been on the other other end of the line just listening to me find the solution. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I got it. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the best example I've seen is is if you're sitting there working on something and you call up somebody and say, hey, 
so I need you to log in and check this out. And they go to log in and can't log in. And you go, oh, yeah, I changed that thing about logging in, but I never logged out and logged back in. Never mind. I got it now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, are we calling that uh, a show? Are we wrapping it up at that point? I mean, Thomas, you've kind of you you seem like you're in charge now, so I didn't want to step on your toes. <laughs> uh no. I I think I think that covers it for uh for this week. You think that's it? Hopefully, hopefully, I'll have a, a an update from Chase for everyone next week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> look forward to hearing how that went. So I've got some news for you guys and. Uh, John knows this already. Thomas, I meant to say something to you before the show, but I'll 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 let you know now. Um, and I, I don't even know if we're actually allowed to talk about this, but I don't see why not. Again, nobody listens to the show. Thomas, are you going to PHP Tech? And if not, can you try to go to PHP Tech? I, I think it would be very beneficial for you to be at PHP Tech. I am not currently going to PHP Tech, but I could give it a try. So we got John and I got an interesting email uh, this past week from the organizers of PHP Tech asking if we would be interested in getting together with another podcaster who's going to be at PHP Tech and doing a PHP Tech podcast. What? Really? What? Just doing doing a lot doing a live episode. There will be nudity involved. I hear. At least that was you know part of my contract. I don't. Know, but so excellent. It'll be a short show, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think you need to try to get. Besides, we ha- we haven't hung out in a while, Thomas. You need to try to get to PP Tech and give us an opportunity to hang out with each other. I do. I need to make some effort to get out of the house. Uh, going going a touch stir crazy here in snowy Colorado. <laughs> so yeah, we'll uh, uh, again. I don't know if we're supposed to give the details, but you know who's stopping me at this point? Sammy K from PHP Roundtable uh, is also on board to do this P- this podcast, so it should be fun. I'm I'm really super excited about it. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to harass my boss and see if I can get PHP Tech tickets. So that's fun. Anybody listening? And, and we will that? we should have PHP Ugly stickers to give away at PHP Tech this year. And uh, I'm hoping I got enough stickers, but yeah, we'll have some stickers to give away. I think we have a couple. of of rabbit fans out there who we promised stickers to uh, as soon as we had them. So we, we need to track them back down and get, get some envelopes and mail those out. But yes, PHP yeah, ugly. Did stickers. you just say we had rabbit fans? Rabbit. Like, like little, 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 little fuzzy rabbits. rabbits. No, like excited. Like, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, like, dogs, like dogs when you have to shoot them. <laughs> uh, I don't speak English very well. I'm sorry. All right, that's it. I'm not talking anymore. That's it. We're done. Episode 59 of PHP Uglies in the books. I'm Eric Van Johnson. Keep it ugly. I'm John. Good job, guys. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Diego DevGroup. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. 
subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.